Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast, IDP edition. I am your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF, and I am joined by the man known as the cornerback whisperer, but he's so much more than that, including a brilliant IDP mind and all-around great guy. From IDP Guys, the IDP Show, SGPN Fantasy, and co-host of the IDP or ID Pro Players Podcast, my guy, Johnny the Greek. Johnny, what is up, my man? Hey, Mr. Macri. Good to see you, man. Look at you. Big time doing PFF podcasts and whatnot. Uh, crazy times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Look, I hope you like what I've done with play since we last had a podcast together. We've we've moved on. I'm not the same. <laughs> but yeah, do it. Just doing more podcasts and, and talking offense as well. But I'm happy to talk some IDP with you and, and kick it back to, you know, like a kind of a throwback, right? We, we, we got to do our monthly previews. I guess it was like a couple years ago now, basically it, it's been, it's been way too long either way. So I'm looking forward to, to doing another one of these things with you and, and getting you back on the show and previewing week two with me. So this is going to be fun. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. We're into the swing of things. Yeah. Let's get the people ready for a little week two. Yeah, man. Yeah, we actually have like 2023 data that we can utilize now and kind of comb through and see how these teams are actually deploying their IDPs, which is going to be cool. And and we'll get to talk about it all here. We're going to go game by game again. So we're going to get into it. Um, I do have to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor, Fabric by Gerber Life, before we start. Fall is all about the back to school and back to routine checklist. And the most important task on that list should be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash fantasy. That's meetfabric.com slash fantasy. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash fantasy. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company. Not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, Johnny. We're on a Wednesday night right now. Most people probably be listening to this on Thursday morning, which means we're Shortly going to be kicking off Thursday night football, Minnesota Vikings at the Philadelphia Eagles. I'll let you kick us off here. Uh, what are you looking for in this game or or what surprised you anything from week one with uh, with either the Vikings or the Eagles? So first things first, I love this game. I love the high over under. I love the passing offense on both sides. I think we're going to get a lot of excellent IDP production, a lot of great cornerback production, even though we're missing uh, James Bradbury. And I would not be surprised if the Vikings won this game. No Blankenship, no Bradbury. Uh, they're missing some offensive pieces for the Eagles as well. Uh, I mean, I know they're loaded, but this feels like a trap game tonight, especially with Thursday night and the shenanigans we get with that. Uh, things that may or may not be interesting. Uh, who is going to be the backup for Blankenship? I'd like to know that. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I just I kind of want to get your thoughts on Jalen Carter's debut as well. Oh, yeah, man. Jalen Carter, he was our highest graded rookie defender um, in week one. The guy was unreal. I think he played uh, 50% of snaps, I want to say. I'll pull it up on the screen here for the YouTube crowd as well. So 50% of snaps, 90.5 pass rush grade. He had a 25% win rate and a 25% pressure rate. Look, I I'm excited for Jalen Carter. I mean, 
there's potential that he could be going off against uh, Ed Ingram, the right guard for the Vikings um, this week on Thursday Night Football. Ingram had a 42.6 pass blocking grade last year. He gave up 11 sacks and 63 pressures. Uh, In week one, 40.3 pass blocking grade uh, with four pressures and a sack allowed. I know Carter's mostly, he mostly lined up on the left side of the offensive line in week one, but he moved around enough that that matchup could be a problem. So, I'm excited to see him on prime time uh, Thursday night against the the Vikings O line. Man, I, he looked he looked amazing. Looked everything as advertised. I'm excited about him. I think I moved him inside of my top 12 defensive tackles um, for this week as well. So he showed everything. Um, definitely looking like a star. So I'm I'm excited for him. And the the Eagles too. You, you mentioned you know they're they're missing players. They're also missing Nicobe Dean as well. So um, there there's. <laughs> They're, they're, they're losing players. They lost a bunch in the offseason and now potentially um, here in season as well. But Jalen Carter, definitely still a star in this group. Yeah, so so I, I feel like this could definitely be an opportunity for Minnesota to sneak away a win here. Uh, and then we've got early waiver wire guys, too. I, how much yeah. are you trusting uh, Christian Ellis this week? Uh, I, there's no way they go to Evans this quick, right? That's what I was thinking. I think it's Ellis that that, that they play this week. It's a short week. They just brought Rashawn Evans in. Uh, Nicholas Morrow, they called him up as well, but Ellis beat him out in the offseason in camp, so I'm not too concerned about Nicholas Morrow. I'm not concerned about Rashawn Evans this week. If you have to, um, I think you could start Christian Ellis and feel pretty comfortable. I'm avoiding him if I can. I like Zach Cunningham, um, obviously as the top guy, just because he was the starter last week with Nicobe Dean, and he's probably going to be a clear every down player, but Ellis, you know, he might not be a bad, especially in deeper leagues, right? And he on sleeper, I think he even has a DL tag as well. Um, so that just makes him even more interesting, I think for this week. Yeah, good stuff there. And then the last thing that uh, I've seen, you know, the IDP crowd talking about is uh, Jordan Hicks. I I believe he was in for like 97% of snaps week one and uh, didn't do much, but it happens, right? It's it's not, you know, this is more consistent than offensive fantasy, but it's Mm -hmm. still not an every week thing. Even linebackers, even inside linebackers that play 97% of snaps are going to have down games. Uh, You should not be blasting him out the airlock after one bad <laughs> bad week i don't think <laughs> yeah that, that's the thing with like even i mean the minnesota defense as a whole is like not ideal for linebackers anyways we talked about this kind of all off season right and, and brian Flores kind of coming in and deploying this kind of dime heavy and, and blitz heavy defense surprisingly it wasn't actually it was more zone than than man like much more zone than expected this past week which i thought was interesting for brian flores so we'll see if that kind of continues which maybe should help uh jordan hicks's tackle efficiency but typically this just hasn't been like a good defense for tackle production with Brian Flores, wherever he's been, whether it be, you know, in Miami as well. So I I don't love Jordan Hicks. Like I think I have him as LB 44, but there's so many, it's only because there's so many other linebackers that are playing similar snaps this year that um, I pushed him down just because of the defense itself, but I'm still fine starting him as a, you know, an LB three in that range. It's, it's really, again, you're not 97% of snaps. The production's going to come. It's just, it wasn't a great start to the week and obviously Ivan Pace coming in and um and and out producing him as well but I'm not I love Ivan Pace I'm not trusting him to start him this week just because of that snap share being at like I think it was 65% something like that um but yeah other than that man you know 
the the Vikings defense, we'll see how things go. Their defensive line, the Eagles O-line surprisingly kind of struggled in pass protection in week one. They ranked 25th in pass blocking grade. So um, that was against the Patriots. We'll see if maybe Daniel Hunter can get in on that. But I'm, I'm with you. I, I love this game. I think it's going to be a fun one for Thursday Night Football. Some high-flying um, offense in there. And hopefully we get some nice IDP scoring as well um, between these a lot of the options that we have in this game. But should be a good one. Um, all right, let's go on to the Sunday slate here. We have, let's start with the Baltimore Ravens at the Cincinnati Bengals. So one of the first things that kind of stands out to me for this game, I mean, obviously Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen, they played every down snaps. Um, so we're, we're not concerned about them or anything. Kyle Hamilton was kind of the one that most people I thought, uh, maybe expected more from in week one, but didn't really get it. He only had a few tackles in that game, but decent usage. It wasn't the exact usage that we were kind of hoping for just because he played more than half of his snaps deep. But I think some of that maybe had to do with Marcus Williams injury um, where, where Hamilton had to kind of backfill there a little bit. Geno Stone played there as well, but we'll see what they do here against the Bengals, but still decent deployment there for, for Kyle Hamilton, 27.6% of his snaps in the box, 10 and percent in the slot. He got some blitz opportunities in there and he's really good at that. We saw him get some sacks last year as well. So again, the hundred percent role is really the main thing. And then we're hoping for the better alignment as things go forward, but I still trust Kyle Hamilton. He's still a top option for me. I'm not panicking after, after one week. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. I think he can rebound, especially this week. I think since, uh, since he's going to have a little bit better offensive showing um, than Houston did uh, last week. So th that may help a little bit. Um, I, what I want to ask you about is our Darius Washington, I believe it is, uh, that appeared to be the replacement for Marcus Williams. Uh, if that's the case, do you have any interest as a waiver wire guy? I think so. I think he was playing more. Let me see. I I, I want to pull up his his numbers because I couldn't remember if he was he was the slot guy, right? Yeah, he was eighty six percent in the slot. So it wasn't like a full time role. He didn't play a hundred percent of the snaps. So he's kind of interesting. I, I remember him coming out. We talked about him on another podcast a couple of years ago, and kind of found him interesting. Really small guy too. So, but an exciting player. I. I, I think in deep leagues, I'd take a shot on him, but I, I just kind of worry that, it, you know, again, not that 85 to 90% up roll um, is, is not as ideal, but I mean, against the Bengals who should be passing a ton, it makes it a little bit of a more interesting matchup for me. Good stuff there. And then we, we obviously, we got the answer finally to uh, the safety situation for the Bengals. That's been a little iffy all off season with Nick Scott and uh, Dax Hill. Uh, yeah. Which, which one's your favorite? I don't, I don't have a take yet. They both play a lot. That, that works, <laughs> works for me. <laughs> yeah, they both played. They both played basically full time roles, right? Which is the main thing. And and the big question the off season uh, was who was going to take the Jesse Bates role, who was going to take the Von Bell role. One of those was more primarily deep. The other one a little bit more in the box. So it does look like Nick Scott um, got more snaps in the box this past week, which was nice to see. Even though Dax Hill, uh, I believe he had more tackles this week, had a better production um, in week one, but. 
I, I mean, this is, again, like the nature of the safety position, right? The box snaps aren't always going to make them the top safety um, that week. But Nick Scott, I think going forward, should be the top guy that we're looking to target just for that tackle opportunity um, snap share that he's getting in the box. So 34.7% for Nick Scott in the box compared to 19.2% in the box for Dax Hill. So I like that. I mean, again, the Ravens team, they talked about being a more pass-heavy team this offense. Um, this season, we didn't really see that um, in week one. So maybe we see it in, in week two if Mark Andrews comes back. But I was kind of surprised that it was mostly the same kind of run-heavy uh, defense that we got. So if Nick Scott is getting those box snaps, that kind of helps his potential for production as well. Um, let's see. What else do we have? Not too much else for, for this game, really. I mean, Logan Wilson and company, we know the Cincinnati linebackers, um, who, what their deployment is. We're starting those guys right Odafe Owe, I thought was kind of interesting from the Ravens. He, he had a strong uh, week one. I think he had seven pressures, something like that. So 21.2% pressure rate. But most importantly, he led all the Ravens edge defenders in snaps. I think he could have uh, a potentially nice game here. The, the Ravens are pretty good at, at generating pressure and, and creating those sack opportunities. And we saw Joe Burrow um, kind of get uh, beat up a little bit in, in week one against the Browns. So maybe there's some opportunity there for Owe, who uh, earned a 75.2 pass rush grade in week one. Yeah, and I, I guess I do have one more thing here. So uh, this the slight bump Jermaine Pratt saw in uh, snaps in week one, is is that just a weird one-off game script thing, or, or do you think he's in for a little bit bigger role this season? Yeah, it's interesting, right? Like, I wonder if... You know, they're they're looking to get it because he he played well last year. I think he you know, he, he kind of earned some more playing time there, even though it hasn't been typical of how they deployed these guys. But um, I think it's one to watch because we did. He did have games last year where he played like up over 90 percent. And then the next week he'd kind of go back down. So I, I, I'm still a little bit tentative like that, that he might, you know, see a bigger role every single week. But um, he, he's always been productive with his snaps, right? He's a good tackler. So I, I like him. I, I've, I know I've moved him up the rankings a little bit as well because um, because of the role and just be based on his past production as well. So um, yeah, it's one to keep an eye on, but I, I still like Pratt quite a bit. Yeah, big same. Good for all 22 as well. Uh, so yes. no doubt. Uh, Chargers, Titans? Yeah, let's do Chargers, Titans. What do you think about this one? All right. So a couple things. Uh, so I just saw this literally before you hit record. Joey Bosa hamstring did not practice today uh, in other news. Water wet. Right. Um, <laughs> just just shocking. Didn't see that coming. It's unbelievable. Uh, it really is. We're in midseason form. No Jamal Adams. Joey Bosa's getting hurt. It's uh, <laughs> it's perfect. Uh, but that always happens. Um, Harold Landry. What would you think of the first week back for uh, Titans? Harold Landry. Yeah, I was I was surprised, I guess, that I mean, I guess not surprised that he played so much because they've they really haven't shown any fear in just leaning into this guy super heavily, like 87.7% of the defensive snaps is is a crazy number for a defensive lineman. There's only a few of them really that do that. But Tennessee, obviously, they're, they're not concerned about re-injury risk or anything with this guy because they just kept him out on the field. And it wasn't like his most productive day at all. Um, I, I think he only had one tackle or something like that. But 
he's going to, if he's going to be on the field this much, you can't ignore him. Right. And he's going to have his big blow up weeks as well. That tackle production is going to come up just being on the field too. So I think I have him as edge 18 this week. I, I just love the usage. Um, and, and I love the potential there for production. The chargers we'll see. I think he should draw the right tackle, uh, Trey Pipkins who, who allowed four pressures and a sack last week though. He's not actually a bad right tackle or anything, but he's he's at least no Rashawn Slater, who's the, the better tackle on the Chargers. So like that for Landry, I, I've moved him up a little bit this week. And yeah, they're they're not concerned about the ACL, so neither am I. Yeah, good stuff there. Uh, and in regards to Tennessee linebackers, so definitely there there's a bit of panic going on with Aziz, although I believe he played like 98 or 97% of snaps. And uh, I'm, I'm not too worried. I think the production will come with that. Uh, any uh, worries about him or, or, or thoughts on Jack Gibbons getting the uh, 65-ish, I think it was, percent? Right. Yeah. Jack Gibbons, 65 and Aziz Alshier, 98.5. So I'm, I'm still starting Alshier over Gibbons every single time. That's just, <laughs> that's too big of a discrepancy in Snapshare for that production not to kind of come back around in, in favor of Alshier. I think I have him as LB30. Uh, I have uh, Gibbons as LB56. So um, th- th- this is uh, obviously it's a, it's, it was a bad first week, but it, we're not panicking after week one. We've seen this way too many times to, to, be concerned about one off week to start the year, especially when the snap share is this high. And there's really no concern about anybody else kind of taking him, taking those snaps from him. Yep. Yep. Playing time leads to production. It's that simple with IDP. Uh, and then uh, Kenneth Murray saw a lot of snaps in week one. Is that smoke and mirrors or, or what do you think? So that one, yeah, it was kind of interesting, right? Like Diane Henley, it, the rookie is, is dealing with an injury, but I don't think he would have played ahead of Murray anyways i think most likely the murray would have had first crack at a starting job but um oh sorry i pulled up alohi gilman not uh, the chargers linebackers um there is kenny kenneth murray 89.6 percent so again he didn't do much he really hasn't done much as as an idp like he's been a pretty inefficient tackler so i'm not like overly excited about him in any kind of way but again 90 percent of snaps is a nice snap share he's gonna have good production weeks so i put him as a waiver wire target this week for for those deeper leagues that but he's like lb46 for me or something like that but um kendricks is still the the guy there he played 100 percent, but both guys were very inefficient tacklers in week one Yep. And then, yeah, anything else that struck your fancy with these two? Yeah. So then I, I did put Gilman um, on the list here because he had like an 11 tackle game and, and people are going to be excited about that. But again, we're looking for we're looking for those box snaps more than anything to create kind of tackle stability week to week. And he played 73 percent of his snaps deep. Um, against a Miami offense that passed for what 450 passing yards or something like that. Yep. Plus, yeah, Tua had the highest average depth of target in the league last week, so that favors a, a deep safety like Alohi Gilman. So I'm not trusting that production kind of going into week two here, uh, especially against a Titans team that we're not going to see that much passing from or that much of uh, that high of a, a average depth of target either from, from Ryan Tannehill and company. So I'm much more lower on, on Alohi Gilman this week. I would advise people not to chase that production. Yeah. Right place, right time. That's all that was. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's go on to the Green Bay Packers at the Atlanta Falcons. So I guess the biggest storyline for me, we talked about this in the week one preview with with Adam, and I, w- I said I, w- I would have been surprised if 
Quay Walker overtook Devondre Campbell as the LB1 in Green Bay right away this year. Um, and he did. He he absolutely he he outsnapped him in week one um before he got hurt. So that was kind of the main thing that happened there, right? So if you look at the overall snap share, Devondre Campbell 74%, Quay Walker 66%. But Quay Walker got hurt um I think early in the fourth quarter, I think it was, or at the end of the third quarter, something like that. But Looking at the snaps just from quarters one to three, Quay Walker played 100% of snaps in that span, while Devondre Campbell was only around 70%. So big difference there, and and that, for me at least, signifies that Quay Walker is the the linebacker to own in in Green Bay right now. So I've moved him up. He's LB13. I know he's questionable. He's got the conky, so we'll see what happens if he he actually plays this week. Um, But if he does, I have him over Campbell. Campbell's LB35 for me, so. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And, and Campbell, last time we saw meaningful week after week snaps out of him, he was not who he used to be either. He had that one like huge game last year that pumped up his numbers. But other than that, he was very quiet all season. Yeah, it was it was a definitely a disappointing year, especially after I think what was it 2021, I guess, where when he played with Green Bay, it was his first year and he was like a top five IDP linebacker that year. He was unbelievable. And then he, he signed that huge deal as well. So um, yeah, it was, it was a bummer last year and it, it could very well be pointing towards that this year, especially if Quay Walker's healthy and he's, he's out snapping him a hundred to 70%. So um, concerning for Devondre Campbell. Um, the other thing, Rashawn Gary, I, I thought was really interesting because we knew he was going to be on a pitch count. Um, coming into this game, he only played 16% of the snaps. So I, I wasn't concerned about seeing his snap numbers or anything, but what surprised me, I guess, was just how good he looked right away. Um, he only played, I think 10 pass rush snaps and generated five pressures. So, um, so one of those pressures actually came, I believe from a non pass rush snap or something like there was something crazy that it ended up not being exactly a 50% pressure rate. So he ended up with over a 55% pressure rate, uh, on the game, which is insane for a guy that didn't play that much. Um, and a 44.4% win rate. So if Rashawn Gary gets back to the full workload, I don't expect it to necessarily be week two, but I think they're building him up to that. This this guy was unbelievable before he got hurt the last two seasons. And look, he looks right back into the same form. So I'm excited about Rashawn Gary. Yeah, big same. And then uh, the Van Ness snaps, that that kind of stood out to me a little right. bit too. Any, any thought on that? Yeah, so that one, I, I thought maybe he'd play over... Kingsley and Igbari, but it was close enough. Um, so, you know, again, this guy's a rookie. I think him, I think uh, Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith, eventually they'll be the one and two there. Um, and Igbari probably pushes Van Ness down a little bit, but I like the way they can use Van Ness. I think they could kick him inside and stuff and he could be productive still. So still his first year. So I, I, I like him um, for the future, but probably not as high on him for this year. Yeah, good stuff there. And, and then just looking at the Atlanta D, which is obviously a, a little bit improved so far this season. Um, Jesse Bates with the massive game. I did not get a chance to. Ch- <laughs> I've, been, I've been running around like an idiot trying to get my stuff out the last three days. So I have not had a chance to look at his alignment. Uh, where, where What did Bates do alignment wise in week one? Yeah, so I wish I I wish I pulled it up, um, or at least an image for the YouTube crowd. But I can pull it up to, to get the exact numbers here because he he's still basically a deep safety, right? Um, he was eighty point six percent deep 
Um, so that's a big, that's a very deep number. Uh, Richie Grant actually had a 46.8% snap share in the box. So really like that for Richie Grant going forward. Atlanta, we'll see. I mean, Jesse Bates, he, he's always going to have those big blow-up games, but it's the tackle production that's always kind of been low for him because he plays so deep. So without those interceptions, we're going to see those numbers, that production numbers come down, and he'll probably be a little bit boom-bust every week where Richie Grant might be a little bit more stable and um, consistent, I guess. So, yeah, that was crazy. He 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 looked amazing. And look, the Atlanta defense, I they kind of surprised me. I, they, they played a good game and look, they, they look better than last year at least. And, and even the defensive line was slightly improved, but there's still nobody I really I'm interested in, at least from that defensive line. Yep. No, I'm with you on that. Yep. Yeah. And I think, uh, Troy Anderson, uh, linebacker there is dealing with, uh, he's questionable, something like that. I don't know how serious it is. Um, but hopefully he gets back into practice later in the week. It's still early. So it's always hard to tell if these questionables mean anything or if they're, if they're worth taking seriously. Um, but him and Caden Ellis both played hundred percent of snaps. So that was nice to see from the linebacker core. Yeah, definitely. Good stuff there. Uh, Raiders bills. Yes, sir. Let's go Raiders bills. Uh, what do you like here? All right. So uh, my my biggest takeaway from this so far uh, was Spillane. Spillane getting 100% of snaps in week one. I, I mean, a lot of us thought this was a good possibility. We saw him as a starter in the latter half of last season in Pittsburgh. We, we knew he was capable of it. Uh, but just right away, 100% of snaps. That's a guy a lot of people don't have is sitting out there at waivers. That was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Eight tackles. I, I know Divine Diablo also eight tackles. He basically played an every down role as well at 94%. So like both those guys. But yeah, like look, the, the playing time was there for Spillane. I was surprised too. I thought Diablo would be their full-time, you know, green dot wear, all that stuff. But it looks like they trust Spillane, who has never really been a full-time linebacker before. There's been a couple games where the Steelers used him that way, but um obviously the Raiders like him a lot. So we got to, you know, adjust to that for IDP, right? So he was definitely a hot waiver target um, this week and still like Diablo as well, but I'm just kind of, you know, in the middle, like LB3 range for both of them right now until we see, you know, have a kind of, of more history of, of higher tackle production and stuff like that. But yeah, it was, it was definitely a surprise. So um, other stuff with the Raiders, where, what do you think of Nate Hobbs? Because I, I got him as CB1 mm. this this uh, this week, and he's been very high in my rankings, my cornerback rankings all, all offseason. How about you? Oh, you're going to love this. So so he put up 12 combined tackles against a guy that a real stat last year was touchdowns to toilets, right? So <laughs> so they've got, they've got the Bills passing attack in town this week. What do you think he's going to do this week, right? Uh, I love Nate Hobbs. He's great. What do you think about Ja'Cory and Bennett, though? Seven solo tackles, 100% of snaps, and he's the lesser of all evils there because you don't want to throw at Peters. Hobbs is obviously pretty good. What do you think about Bennett? Yeah, that's true. And then look, he faced five targets last week as well. So Bennett's an interesting one. Again, look, we play in these cornerback required leagues where we have to start like two to three, sometimes even four of these guys. So we 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 love these guys like Jacory and Bennett, who nobody has ever heard of, but we see the snap share, we see the target rate, and we're like, yeah, this is the guy. This is the guy that we're putting in the lineup this week, especially against the Bills, right? So um, look, if he's going to be on, on Stefan Diggs, we know Josh Allen is feeding Stefan Diggs no matter what. So we'll see. I don't think they're going to shat. Marcus Peters is going to shadow anybody at this point. So uh, 
um, I, there's opportunity there, man. I think uh, I think it's a it's a it's a nice matchup for these these Raiders corners this week. Yeah, great situation for the Raiders corners this week. And then uh, another thing I, I saw interesting on the Raiders side of things. So the Chandler Jones fallout, the the whole shenanigans with him and the team. Do, do you think that's the primary reason why we saw 50 percent snaps on Tyree Wilson in week one? Yeah, I think it has to be right. Like without Chandler Jones there, I think Chandler Jones would have probably been into that like 68 to 75 percent of snap range, probably around there. And Wilson would have maybe been down around closer to 30 or so. But they basically had no choice. They they only got um, Tyree Wilson, Malcolm Kuntz and, and Isaac Rochelle as their other defensive linemen, not named Max Crosby. So they had to put these guys out there and and look Tyree Wilson we kind of knew going into the season that this is very much a project player um he wouldn't be productive right away but look he, he showed it too i mean a 0% win rate and a 4.6% pressure rate on those 50% of snaps so it wasn't a great debut for him um but the potential for more volume and and you know to kind of get that production up i think helps and the more snaps he gets in the nfl for refining his game is only for the better so it'll be nice to see him get more um more reps and more opportunity to kind of hone his game but i do still think it'll be it'll take time i'm not Tyree Wilson is more a guy for like year three for me more than anything. I'm not looking at him for year one and two because those are the kind of developmental years for defensive linemen, especially ones that um, don't have that refinement coming out of college. So that I'm kind of waiting on Tyree Wilson more than anything. Yep. Yep. Good stuff there. And then uh, Buffalo linebackers. Uh, that's that's been a big hot topic this week as well. I don't know about you, but I still I still prefer Matt Milano. Yeah, yeah. I still prefer Matt Milano. Um, we, we know he's not losing his job at any point, no matter what, basically, because they don't have anybody unless he gets hurt, obviously. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm ranking Matt Milano higher pretty much every week. Uh, Terrell Bernard, he was great. He had a nice productive game. Uh, Matt Milano had the pick, though. Look, he's just a better linebacker overall, has more experience as well. Um, but I like Terrell Bernard. He's going to be a hot waiver pickup this week as well. Um, now that they've actually finally sorted that situation and we've seen him play 100% of snaps, there was no concern there. So Terrell Bernard, nice LB3 option as well if you can get him. Yep. All right. Let's. Uh, anything else from Raiders Bills or you want to go to uh, Bears Bucks? Oh, oh, oh yeah. One, one side note. I'm yeah, adding yeah. it. I'm adding an X to Max Crosby's name for every sack he gets this year in all my articles. That's amazing. That's amazing. I actually love that. <laughs> <laughs> I hope, I hope that there's like 14 X's at the end because uh, that would be a very nice year for, for Crosby again, man. Cause he's amazing. I, I, this guy, what did he, I'll pull up his snapshot. 98.4% oh. of snaps. That's unreal. He doesn't leave the field. He had an 85.6 pass rush grade, 25% win rate, 16.7% pressure rate. The guy's amazing. It just he's locked into your lineup every single week. You never take him out just for the that snap share alone. But then you, he adds in all the, the pass rush metrics to go with it. So man, it seems like a long time ago that people were complaining about Max, Max Crosby's production um not meeting their expectations, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, ages and ages ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man. All right, let's go to uh let's go to Bears and Bucks here. So I mean, the linebacker groups were pretty much as expected. We we knew what the Bears were going to be coming into the season. Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards, Jack Sanborn worked in there as well. Um yeah, I was telling you after, like, 
I think it was, yeah, DraftKings had uh, Jack Sanborn's like over under on tackles at five and a half last week. So that was an easy smash on the under. Um, luckily, it hit. I parlayed it with uh, like like I was telling you, Jelani Tavai, uh, Monty Rice was the other one, Sioni Taki Taki, and and John Johnson the third. We put all those together and we hit big because <laughs> nobody knows what's expected week one unless it's you know these like IDP nuts like us who who pay attention to this stuff all season. So that was uh, that was a nice one. And yeah, we we're not starting Jack Sanborn um, and any week, even if he has a few tackles in there. That the snap share is just not. What we need it to be for for consistent IDP production, there it is, there, 31.7%. So TJ Edwards, Tremaine Edmonds, those are the guys. Levante David, Devin White in Tampa Bay, also the guys, even though Levante David also questionable um, right now, but we'll see what happens there. I, I believe he cleared protocol. I, uh, oh, did he? I, okay. So oh, yeah, I was, I was looking uh, right before this, and he, he uh, had the little note, so I think we're good. Beautiful. Love that. It's got lots of Levante David again this year. The guy's always cheap in drafts and you just don't find full-time linebackers like that, that at going for that kind of cost in drafts. And we don't now have to start a Servassier Dennis or a KJ Britt. So that is also <laughs> nice. Um, this, yeah, nothing too interesting for this one, right? The, the Bears defensive line is, is still really, really bad. Um, so we're not liking anybody there. Safeties are what they are. Ja- Jaquan Brisker, solid. I-, I like him as a top safety still. Um, anybody else in this game that, that you want to talk about? No, not really. It, it was pretty. These are two two stable defenses. It's mm-hmm. it's not like we're talking about the Patriots or, or the Dolphins right. or something. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then Antoine Winfield, maybe the only other person worth mentioning, really. Safety eight for me this week. Doesn't really matter where the guy lines up. He, he's been productive. We talked about that last week with Adam, too, who loves uh, Antoine Winfield. And Got decent usage to 27% of the box, 62% deep, um, just 6% in the slot, which I thought was interesting since he basically played primarily slot last year. Ryan Neal took most of that um, work this past week. So we'll see if that changes at all. But yeah, still love Antoine Winfield either way. All right, yep. let's go. Yes, we'll go to uh, the Indianapolis Colts at the Houston Texans. Johnny, what uh, what is it that you stands out for you in this game? Yeah, so a couple things uh, I noticed after week one. So so Shaq Leonard looks like they're easing him back in with the 86% in mm-hmm. week one. E- EJ Speed getting 40-something percent I thought was interesting. Uh, any thoughts on that, or, or do you think it's just that, like an insurance policy? I, or How many teams play three linebacker sets these days? Like, not yeah. many, I would guess. Yeah, this is this is another one of those situations, right? Just another team that still plays a decent amount of base linebacker, right? And um, because Shaq Leonard wasn't full time, he was eighty five point seven percent of snaps. That we we saw a little bit more EJ speed, but is usually like a thirty percent base team. So that's probably what we could expect from EJ speed if Leonard gets up to a full time role, which. Hopefully he does, man, because we we just have not got the same Shaq Leonard um, in, in recent years. We talked about this with last week with Adam too. Darius Leonard was much better than Shaq Leonard, and uh, still, still, still true here in 2023. So hopefully he turns that around. But yeah, not overly interested in EJ Speed unless Shaq Leonard goes down, obviously, and that would be a, a huge bump for him. Yep. Yep. That, yep, so that, that stuck out a little bit. Uh, obviously, the safety situation over on the Colts, uh, I didn't feel like it was completely settled all offseason, but it but it looks like, uh, you know, you were right about it. 
<laughs> yeah, the box snaps, man. The, for for Julian Blackman, I was shocked because this this was a guy that basically never played in the box uh, for the Colts. But look at the numbers here: fifty one point four percent in the box. Rodney Thomas ninety four point three percent deep. So there was a very clear discrepancy of of kind of which guy to to trust for IDP. And even if it wasn't like a huge tackle week for Blackman, th- those are going to come too because that that usage in Gus Bradley's defense just hammering those safeties into the box is a beautiful thing. And Julian Blackman's going to be the guy. We just hope that he can at least be an average tackler um, at best. And he'll, he'll, he'll rack up some tackles there. Yep. That was good stuff. And then another thing people are freaking about, freaking out about this uh, past week here. So uh, Christian Harris, what was it? 60 ish, 65% of snaps. Um, it, what's going on with that? Yeah. So I thought we would get maybe two, potentially full-time linebackers. I thought Harris maybe would get the slight edge over Perriman, even though I love Perriman um, and, and thought like if it was close enough, Perriman would, would easily be the better tackler. It was not even close. Perriman 95.3%, Christian Harris 71.9%. Denzel Perriman, we talked about this last week, man. The guy is a tackling machine. He posted a 23% tackle efficiency in week two with 14 total tackles on that 95% uh, snap share, he is, I, to me, he's locked in as a, as a top 10 linebacker right now until something happens where maybe they take his snaps away or, or something like that. But I, I'm trusting him every single week in every lineup. And he also got a questionable tag today at some point. And again, hopefully it's, it ends up being nothing. But Christian Harris, yeah, I thought I thought there'd be a bigger role for him there. But I guess uh, D'Amico Ryan's maybe not trusting him as much right now. Yep. Yeah. And then I guess the only other thing was the, the Petrie injury with, you know, it sounded super scary initially, but it, it, it looks like he'll be okay this week or next. Yeah. Bruised lung or something like that. Yeah. He's like Ooh. coughing up blood on the sideline. That's, that's not ideal. No, no, you don't want that. <laughs> I feel like that would definitely probably get you ruled out for the game. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we'll see if, uh, we'll see if he comes back this week. Um, because yeah, that obviously people spent like big time draft capital to get Jalen Petrie this this offseason. Not me, but people did. Um, so hopefully that that pays off for them. But he'll need to be out there for that to happen. Otherwise, Eric Murray um, w- was an option who filled in for uh, Jimmy Ward last week. Jimmy Ward probably questionable right now as well. But he w- there's at least a chance that he'll be back. So. If Petrie's healthy, Jimmy Ward is healthy. Those are the two starting safeties there. Otherwise, Eric Murray is number three, and I have zero interest in whoever number four is. Oh, it's it's MJ Stewart. That's yep. that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, thank you, MJ. We're sorry. Um, all right, let's go. Let's go to the Kansas City Chiefs at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, this one, look, Chris Jones is back. Uh, he, he he ended his holdout, which is nice for us uh, DT required folks um, because he is like a top 10 defensive tackle uh, for the most part. One of the best pass rushing defensive uh, interior linemen in the league. Not the best tackler, but we want those big plays and we don't always get them from the DT position. So that'll be nice to see. I, I haven't like bumped him right up to his usual like top five uh, the position just yet. I had to come have him as DT ten just because I want to see if he gets kind of eased in. He basically missed all of training camp and everything, right? So I, I don't know what the snap share is going to be like for him. So it, it'll at least be nice that he'll be back at not holding out until week eight, like he like he had threatened to do. 
Yeah, yeah, that was great news. And then uh, obviously McDuffie with with oh, yeah. uh, the new whatever you want to call it role responsibilities just went crazy. But Sneed did pretty well too. The only reason Sneed didn't like crush his projection is because they're so inflated across all these platforms. Like it, right. it, in some of the leagues we're in, he was like projected at like twenty something points as a corner, and that's just that's just not realistic. <laughs> Yeah, like if if they listen to our podcast, the people that make these projections for Yahoo or for wherever, they would know that cornerback production is is not as stable uh, year to year. So don't trust that. <laughs> you know, as as good as he was last year, he was obviously the the clear CB one in in every league, but. We'd also seen in the playoffs last year that McDuffie was getting more of that slot role, which is where the production mostly came from, from Sneed. So that helped McDuffie a ton. I, I moved him up in the rankings because that separation was a little bit clearer, but I, I'm not moving Legereus down significantly. He's still got decent usage. He was getting those blitz attempts as well, lining up on the defensive line and kind of still staying within range of the defensive, uh, of the box and everything like that. So Still like Legereus Sneed, but I, I if I had to pick one, I'm probably still going with McDuffie now. Yeah, yeah, same. He, he's clearly the number one guy at the mm -hmm. moment. Yep. Nice. Um, yeah. Anything else for Kansas City? We know what we know what their their linebackers are. You're not taking Nick Bolton out of the lineup. Willie Gay is is, is what he is. He's playing that, what was it, 70, 70%, yeah, 67.6% .6 of snaps. Leo Chanel's LB3 there, which means that Drew Tranquil needs to be removed from all IDP rosters at this point because he is not going to be playing enough unless there is an injury. Um, but 20% of snaps is not going to do it for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we knew that was coming, but yeah. I'm sure there were people surprised by it this week. But uh, yep. yep, that that was pretty normal. Jacksonville also, you know, Lloyd 100%, uh, Foyer 100%. But Lloyd didn't do much. What was up with that? He literally did nothing. 5.6% tackle efficiency for with four total tackles. But yeah, I, I guess the promising thing for Devin Lloyd is that he did play every single snap because last year we saw what happened with Chad Muma um, kind of coming in and those those guys kind of splitting time a little bit. So there was always that kind of concern coming into this year that that could potentially happen again. But it was nice to see that Jacksonville trusted him. It just would have been a lot nicer to see um, that production be way better than it was because 5.6% tackle efficiency would put him as one of the most inefficient linebackers in the entire league. So hopefully that that picks up uh, a little bit in, in the weeks ahead. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, I know we're going to talk Josh Allen here in a second, but I did have a question for you. So Cisco, did he swap roles with, uh, oh, Jesus, Rayshon? I don't think so. I think Rayshon still played mostly in the box. Yeah, so it was 32% for Jenkins in the box, 21% for Cisco in the box. So it was still pretty, like, it was a little bit closer than what it was last year. Um, but it was still Jenkins being the kind of primary guy to rotate down closer to the line of scrimmage. So again, it was another one of those weeks, right? Where Cisco had the better week, but Jenkins, you know, we, we probably trust a little bit more long-term. I think Cisco had like a fumble recovery in there as well. Um, something like that. So that, that, yeah, that'll always kind of play with it, but nice matchup this week against the chiefs, obviously for safeties. So. 
Um, but yeah, Josh Allen, I mean, you mentioned it and, and this is Josh Allen, the one who had three sacks last week, not the one who had three picks, uh, last week. This is, uh, Josh Allen, the edge rusher to me, man, I, I love Josh Allen. This was a big week. I, I obviously, we're not going to expect three sacks from him every week, but the playing time is there. The pass rush metrics are there. I think he should be another guy that we, we start to lock into that top 10, uh, of the position. If that, if that kind of continues in, in the weeks ahead, because, uh, big fan, and I think uh, this could be a big year for him. All right, we got one more of the one o'clock games here, and that is the Seahawks at the Detroit Lions. Um, we got the Lions on primetime last week. Not so much this week against uh, Seattle, but uh, anything for you that uh, that you want to start with here for Seattle and Detroit? Yeah, I mean, fun game, first of all. Let's start yeah. there. I mean, it's going to be a great game. Uh, yeah, Brooks... Uh, eased back into things a little bit here wagner got his full playing time uh any anything on that i guess just that jordan brooks like was incredibly efficient with his 64 percent of, of snaps right so he had 11 total tackles so a 21.2 percent tackle efficiency which is unreal um but even Bobby Wagner, 23.5% tackle efficiency. The man put up 19 total tackles on a full-time role. Didn't miss a single tackle either. So Bobby Wagner continues to just be incredibly efficient with his opportunities. And uh, being back in Seattle definitely helps because this is a very linebacker tackle friendly uh, defense here. So I still... I don't know that I'm trusting Jordan Brooks over most options this week just because I want to see them kind of give him a little bit more snaps before I put him in the lineup because we could see that kind of come down at any point and um, that or the, at least the production anyways. We probably expect the snap share to kind of increase here, but I, I have him like I'd play him over guys like Devin Lloyd and, and Jordan Hicks and, and Alex Anzalone, um, Cole Holcomb, who we'll talk about in a bit, uh, Juwan Bentley, Christian Harris, like those kind of guys I would play Jordan Brooks over, but I'm not playing him over any any really of like the true full time guys yet. Yep. No, I'm with you on that. No doubt. Uh, any any chance Jamal Adams comes back this week or anytime soon? It would be nice. It would be nice if he does, because uh, we, we could stop kind of worrying about him and at least see him on the field, because there's always this kind of, um, I guess, feeling with Jamal Adams that he could be like a safety one. Right. But we don't know it until we see him on the field. And if he does come back this week, I'm not starting him. There, there's pretty much no league I'm starting him in just because, again, he's been injured so often it's been so long since he's been on the field it could be another one of those guys that they ease back into action they have julian love on the team as well so i i i'm not trusting jamal adams if he does come back this week but at least would be a good sign in the right direction that um he could potentially get back to that safety one ish probably more of a safety two at this point depending on what the deployment is for him but yeah not loving him Yep, big same. I I ejected years ago. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Looking at the uh, Lions linebackers, though. So yeah, I mean, Anzalone getting what was it, ninety four ish percent of the snaps. That that was wild. What what I saw though was Derek Barnes getting a, a decent chunk, and then Campbell getting a less decent chunk. But I think over the course of the season, that kind of reverses itself, right? As Campbell gets more comfortable, he gets more of those snaps, and then eventually becomes like what do you think a second full time inside linebacker or how's that work? That's what I'm hoping. I mean, I would be shocked if we don't start to see Campbell get more snaps. Like he clearly kind of looked like the best lions linebacker out there already. 
They invested a first round pick in the guy. He played 39% of snaps, but there were times where he'd be the only guy on the field with Alex Anzalone. And there was even like a drive where it was just him. And, and I think Derek Barnes at the time and Alex Anzalone was off the field. So they're rotating like crazy over there um, until we see somebody emerge as like a clear, like with, with a clear stable role other than Anzalone. I'm, I'm not trust trusting any of them really. I, I'll play Anzalone in deeper leagues, but yeah, Barnes, Campbell, Rodriguez. Right now, they're they're basically sit and wait and see because Campbell's probably the only one that we have any kind of hope for um, emerging with like a clear LB two role uh, to start in the in that defense. Yeah, no doubt. And then uh, the secondary uh, for the Lions as well. So everyone loved the Brian Branch Week One, and yeah. I did too. Great play, but sixty eight percent of snaps in the secondary. Why would you ever settle for that when there's so many guys out there that play a hundred percent of snaps? And beyond that, what? Where is Tracy Walker? Yeah, Tracy Walker did not play. Um, he he was he was completely uh, removed from the starting lineup. It was Kirby Joseph um, and Chauncey Gardner Johnson that played the typical safety roles, and then yeah, Brian Branch played the slot. <clears throat> and yeah, like you said, he he looked good. Brian Branch, I. I I wouldn't be starting him in most leagues. Like the pick six was the thing that everybody got excited about. It doesn't help people that it happened on prime time, right? Because everyone sees it and everyone gets excited about Brian Branch. But he did leave the game for a little bit. So maybe that that snap share does get up to maybe 75% range. But there's still, like you said, there's so many corners. There's so many safeties um, that we can play that have full-time roles and, and can have more consistent production. So not trusting it yet for Brian Branch, but a nice nice start to his career at least. Oh, yeah, yeah. Great play. Helped them win the game. But but, you know, expecting a pick six every week is just <laughs> insanity. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. So, um, all right. Anything else from uh, Lions Seahawks here for you? No. All right, let's go. Uh, before we go on to the four o'clock games, I do want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors, DraftKings. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code PFF to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code PFF. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, cdkng.co slash football for eligibility. Terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. All right. Let's go on to the rest of the games here. The New York Giants at the Arizona Cardinals. Man, the Giants, it was, it was a bloodbath on Sunday night. There's there's no other way of saying it. Um, that that offense got absolutely destroyed. We'll, we'll talk about the Dallas defense in a bit. But, man, luckily we're not talking about the Giants offense right now. We're talking about their defense. Um, 
start with maybe the linebackers because I know Bobby Okereke didn't have the game that people were kind of hoping for, but he was still the clear kind of uh, LB one there for for the Lions. So, or for the the Giants, I'm sorry. So I'm not too concerned about him. Again, this defense isn't the most ideal for for tackle production. Uh, Wink Martindale's defense. It's another one of those kind of man heavy, blitz heavy schemes that do kind of hurt tackle efficiency a little bit. So just kind of being aware of that. I'm not playing Micah McFadden over Bobby Bobby Okereke, even though McFadden had the more productive day. Um, the snap share wasn't really anywhere close. We're, we're trusting Okereke over over McFadden, right? Oh yeah, uh, absolutely, hundred percent. It's 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 overreaction, you know, heading into week two, as is tradition. Uh, it's yeah. it's a mar- it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? Like it's it'll it'll all even out. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a great way of putting it. Um, yeah, the the Giants. I mean, I don't know. There's there's nothing that really that stands out to me that's too interesting. I think their defensive line will have better days. Obviously, they got too many talented players on that defensive line for them to put up duds like they did in in week one. The safeties, we know it's Xavier McKinney. We know it's Jason Pinnock. Um, so yeah, I guess the Cardinals probably more interesting. Do you want to talk about them instead? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, there were a couple people that started Isaiah Simmons after he, he had a cup of coffee on on the oh, Giants no. and just assumed he was going to have like a full time role right away. But uh, that's that's um, natural consequences. That's what that is. <laughs> yeah, you got to pay attention in the off season, man. You can't be starting Isaiah Simmons uh, in week one on a new team. I, I wouldn't have even been starting him if he stayed on the on the Cardinals playing that deep safety role. So. Um, yeah, again, it, it pays to pay attention here. So speaking of the Cardinals, um, I guess the first thing Kayvon Wallace was, was really interesting. He had a nice game. I believe he led the Cardinals in tackles last week. So he didn't have a full-time role, but he had a decent sized snap share in the box at 42%, which I think was nice to see. It was more than any of the other safeties um, that he played in the box there, uh, even compared to Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson. But I think more importantly is that that role for me maybe doesn't make Kayvon Wallace as interesting as it maybe makes Buda Baker less interesting um, because Baker would have taken a lot of those box snaps typically, but now 73% deep in week one is a little bit concerning for Buda Baker going forward. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. And that's the one kind of downside for Buddha is it seems like every other offseason, they're totally switching up what he does. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. And I, I don't blame him for kind of wanting out of there, too, because uh, that was the storyline this offseason. But yeah. Not ideal um, for Buddha Baker because he was another highly drafted safety uh, for IDP this year. But I, it is concerning that Kayvon Wallace is kind of coming in there to take those those box snaps from him. Um Zaven Collins was another interesting storyline for the Cardinals this offseason. We, we, you know, he was drafted as an off ball linebacker. They moved him to edge full time. His first game as an edge defender uh, did not go well, even though he had an interception in the game that I'm not really counting that towards anything or, or kept banking on it for the weeks ahead because the, almost 100% of his snaps were played on the edge. He did drop back into coverage for that interception, but. Looking at what he did on the edge, he did lead all the Cardinals edge defenders in snaps at 59.2%, but a 0% win rate and a 0% pressure rate for Zaven Collins uh, in his first snaps as an edge defender against kind of an average offensive line there in Washington. Uh, so not overly excited about him. How, how are you feeling about Zaven Collins? Yeah, he's not Micah Parsons. 
yeah, they that's we've solved the the issue there with Zayvon Collins. That you <laughs> cannot just move uh, a first round linebacker to the edge and expect Micah Parsons' production. So you hate to see it for Zayvon uh, and company, but until we start to see him actually, you know, develop a little bit more of a pass rush repertoire and and get those kind of metrics up, uh, we're going to need more from him for sure. So. Not trusting him. I am trusting Kaiser White. How do you feel about Kaiser White uh, going forward? Yeah, yeah. Great playing time. Good production in week one. Uh, no real competition for that slot. I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, like literally no competition because it was Kayvon Wallace coming in from safety playing there a little bit. And, and Josh Woods only played 55% of the snaps as, as the LB2. Uh, Chris Barnes got in there a little bit as well, but it's basically Kaiser White. Um, and he had a decent tackle game, 10 tackles. Um, so a 14% tackle efficiency, which was nice to see. Um, hopefully he could keep that up because he was a very cheap um, draft pick this offseason and uh, could be a nice value for the rest of the year. All right, 49ers at the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, what is, uh, what, what's kind of the first things that, that you want to talk about in this one? Uh, so, so Nick Bosa did not play anywhere close to what he's capable of. It's clear that he held out for quite, quite a, you know, a ways. Um, I would expect that to go up quite a bit. Aaron Donald looked like his old self. The, uh, yes. the Geno Smith. Oh my God was <laughs> h- hilarious. Yeah, that was, that was the highlight of the weekend for me, man. That was a nice reminder that Aaron Donald is back and to get that caught on microphone was, was just incredible because yeah, I, I, I can't blame Geno Smith for, for, for that reaction. Uh, but yeah, the, the 49ers D line, man, it, it is what it is. Like we, these guys are all studs. You got Nick Bosa there. You got Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead, solid Drake Jackson, potentially now kind of emerging as maybe the edge too. I know Cleveland Farrell played a little bit more than him, but Drake Jackson had a really great game. Obviously had the, the, the sacks, but also a 77.7 pass rush grade. 24% win rate, 20% pressure rate. Um, this is a guy that was a second round pick a couple seasons ago and could potentially get up there a little bit. But uh, yeah, Nick Bosa will have better will have better days. I, I, I'm not too concerned about him. It is an interesting matchup, though, because the, the Rams O-line was surprisingly really good last week. Um, they played 41 pass blocking snaps and only allowed four total pressures against the Seahawks. Um, he ended up... The, or sorry, they ended up with uh, the second highest pass blocking grade of the week at 84.8. So Aaron Donald was one of those pressures, obviously the, oh my God moment. And, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was, uh, or no, sorry, the Ram. I'm talking about the Rams offensive line, not the Seahawks offensive line, but yes, the, the <laughs> I'm already, uh, in, uh, in, in off season mode still, but uh Aaron Donald or the the Rams offensive line for God's sake is it was actually surprisingly good last week is basically what I'm trying to say as I you know stumble my words and hopefully could mix in a water here at some point um but yeah man it it should be an interesting matchup they're facing a much tougher defensive line this week in the 49ers with Bosa Armstead Hargrave Drake Jackson now kind of emerging so we'll see if that Rams O-line is real or if it's you know Fugazi production we'll see yeah, yeah, I, I got a, a feeling it's the second one. Uh, I've seen a lot of people this week grabbing them, themselves some puka nukas and, and uh, you know, all, all these, you know, discount wide receivers for the Rams. And I, and I got a feeling against the 49ers, it's all going to come crashing back down to earth. <laughs> It very well could, man. I and I'm only going to be referring to Puka Nakua now as Puka Nuka. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
of is, it. That's amazing, man. That shows um, you shows you my interest level. Um, but but yeah, yeah, Ram safeties. Uh, Russ Russ East, right? Like wh- yeah. what? John Johnson couldn't uh, reclaim the job. I guess not. It, it looked like maybe in the preseason that John Johnson was going to get there, but it, right up until you know the, the last minute, they basically changed their mind. John Johnson, he wasn't hurt or anything because he played on special teams. So um, Russ East, yeah, he, he's he's the guy that's starting next to Jordan Fuller, but Fuller had the more ideal role, 30% snaps in the box, uh, East just 14%. So um, not overly interested in Russ East for the, the rest of the season, but I will take some Jordan Fuller shots for sure. Um, and then, yeah, the other thing, you know, Aaron Donald and friends basically is what we're going to refer to this defensive line as because it's basically him and nobody else, even though, uh, Michael Hector Hoyt or however you say it. And Byron young, they played a ton. So that, that was at least a positive for them. 92% of snaps for Michael, uh, Hector, whatever. And, and Byron young, 84%. So not like amazing pass rush metrics although it was was a decent first game for them um any interest in these guys as maybe volume plays at least um for for deeper leagues oh absolutely every everyone has value it just depends Mm -hmm. you know what the league is how deep you want to go and and we go pretty degenerate so i'm sure i could find a place for these guys and i'm telling you the the way this injury stuff is going so far one week into the season in a month, we're going to take a look at these volume guys that mm-hmm. don't do much and be like, oh, that looks so good. Give me give me some Michael, ha, ha, whatever, uh, <laughs> right now. So, you know, it, it's going to look good. I yeah. was telling someone that today. Someone was telling me that they want to uh, airlock Jamin Davis. And I was like, I wouldn't do that just yet, my friend. Um, you know, you may need him here shortly. Yeah, that that's always the thing, right? Like the the... The production is one thing, but it's nice to know that we could kind of fall back on that volume if it's there for, especially like playing next to Aaron Donald only helps um, guys. Maybe he lets them eat some scraps uh, from him collapsing the pocket every single uh, snap, which, which is nice as well. We've seen that production pay off for other edge defenders with the Rams um, that have played with Donald. So guys like this that are going to play a ton, you're better off trying to grab one of these guys than maybe like the next man up if one of your starting edges gets hurt, right? So instead of if Chase Young goes down, you don't have to go after James Smith Williams, for example. You can go after one of these guys here on the Rams who's playing a little bit more and could potentially um, fall into production there because he plays with Aaron Donald. Yeah. All right. Let's uh we we hinted at it before. The New York Jets now playing the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys. Let's start with the defensive line, man, because that was truly one of the bigger mismatches that we're probably going to see all year, even though this week could potentially be another one um, for the Cowboys defensive line, because, man, everybody ate uh, against that Giants offensive line last week. Dallas was the number one graded pass rush unit. They were number one in pressure rate. They were number one in quick pressure rate. They absolutely destroyed the Giants O-line. I know the Giants O-line wasn't highly regarded coming into the season but this was like men against boys here and and it it definitely showed on Sunday night football this week both tackles for the jets are are questionable Dwayne Brown and Mekhi Becton although they both played last last game so we'll see hopefully they they play this week um but they weren't like overly impressive in week 1 then you add in Zach Wilson back there now i, I think we could see another bloodbath here from the Cowboys pass rush 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and it it kind of I mean, it it's not great for anyone that Rodgers went out. It it hurts everything across the board, but I feel like this game went from a possible, you know, good offensive output entertaining back and forth game to this is just going to be a knife fight now. Yeah. Like it is it is not going to be pretty. Uh cuz that Jets defense is incredibly good yeah. too. We, we might end up with like a 10 to 7 type deal or something. <laughs> yeah, I love that Jets defense, man. They 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 were the only reason that they won that game. They kept them in it. And obviously the, the kick return. So the defense and special teams for, for the jets. And I don't know how much that'll they'll come through to help them for the entire season to maybe push for a playoff spot or anything like that. Like they were hoping, but they should keep them in games. Like you said, this, this could be a very well, a, a close one, but speaking of that jets uh, defense, the defensive line, what was interesting without Carl Lawson there, Carl Lawson led the edge group last year um, in, in snaps for the jets, but he was out in this game. I don't know if he's going to be out or not for week two. It, it feels like it's possible. So Jermaine Johnson was the guy who actually came in and led the group in snaps. And he was a first round pick from a couple of years ago. 71% of the snaps for Jermaine Johnson didn't have like overly impressive pass rush metrics, just a 59.2 pass rush grade. 8% win rate, 8% pressure rate. But we talked, we just, we've been talking about it, right? The volume is the big thing. And especially playing on a defensive line like that, it, it could create opportunities. Obviously, Quinn and Williams being the guy there that plays the Aaron Donald role, Jermaine Johnson could be one of those kind of uh, Michael Hecht, Byron Young with better draft capital guys. Yeah. Yeah. Grabbed a ton of Jermaine Johnson uh, this mm -hmm. past offseason. Love that right there. And then uh, and then on the Dallas defensive line, just a whole bunch of rotation. But uh, Doris Armstrong getting it done with far less than ideal playing time. Uh, and, and, you know, Ziggy Zua, too. Like there there were guys everyone ate. Like you said, it was just wild. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. And then I think the snap share probably a little weird for this game because um, it was such a blowout that the Giants, you know, they they weren't in the game. So and Dallas already had sealed it basically. So they, they were putting in the backups a little bit more. So I think Durant's Armstrong could see some more snaps going forward. Demarcus Lawrence, Micah Parsons, all those guys in, in tougher games. I think we could see a higher snap share for them. Yeah, good call there. And then uh, the Dallas safety situation too. I don't think we got an accurate read on that without Donovan Wilson. Right. Plus, the you know the game was over, like you said, by halftime essentially. Uh, but but I'm just assuming we're going to get what we got last year with the Dallas safeties, where no one gets 100. percent It's like 80, 75, 60, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think that makes the most sense once Donovan Wilson's back in the lineup and and when they're in regular games and not winning 44 to nothing or whatever it was. But yeah, I still like Jaron Curse. He he has the ideal deployment there. Look, he played 76% of the snaps uh, in a blowout and and played 43% of them in the box, which is a really nice number. So still like Jaron Curse. Um People were going after Marquise Bell uh th this week um because of the production. I think he I think he led the team in tackles or, or was close to it. I, I can't remember, but he had a nice, he had a really productive game, but only 44% of the snaps. I, I know he played 94% of them in the box or whatever it was. Um, but again, once Donovan Wilson's back, I don't think we're seeing much Marquise Bell. Yeah, they were missing a couple guys in the secondary, uh, Jordan Lewis and Donovan Wilson. So there were guys that won't be there normally getting some good playing right. time last week. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense, man. Um, anything else from Dallas and uh, the Jets? No, pretty pretty uh, par for the course beyond that. Quincy Williams got a little bump up to 100% of snaps. That was nice. 
That's right. Yeah, he was typically like kind of an eighty percent guy, so that was definitely nice to see, and and it it created some nice production for well, could create some nice production for him going forward too. So definitely another one to monitor there. Hopefully that sticks because we do want more full time linebackers. That's obviously nice for for IDP purposes. Um, all right, let's go to the the Washington Commanders at the Denver Broncos. Uh, what do you want to go uh, start with in in this one? Oh, the the thing everyone's freaking out about. So uh, Cody Barton, 100% of snaps, Jamin Davis, 65. What is going on there? That's crazy, man. Yeah, <laughs> I I was not expecting this. I had Jamin Davis pegged as like a breakout candidate this year. I thought he was going to play that full-time role. He played that role well when Cole Holcomb went out last year. I thought, you know, they spent the first round pick on this guy. They're going to trust him. They did not. Uh, 64.5% of snaps, like you said. Um, really, really disappointing. Cody Barton took 100%. I don't know why. I don't know what it is about Cody Barton. This was a guy that really was never a full-time player. He got an opportunity last year in Seattle, but also lost snaps because of poor performance last year as well. So I don't know how much to trust Cody Barton going forward or that you know maybe there's something going on here with Jamin Davis, but very concerning. Obviously, Jamin Davis had some off-field issues as well. Maybe there's there's something to do with that as well, um, you know, in the playing time. But one to monitor because they just really surprised by this. Um, but I'm not trusting Jamin Davis this week, that's for sure, after seeing what this was. So even though he he led the team in tackles, I'm I'm I could hold him, but I'm probably starting other options if I have them. Yep, I'm right there with you. And uh, yep, just just one to keep your eye on, no doubt. Uh, Cam Curl, huge week. Uh, what, what was his usage uh, like? I assume it was pretty good. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's always got the ideal usage. This guy. This is why we love Cam Curl all off season. I had him as safety three coming into the year. Forty seven percent of snaps in the box. Played a full time role at a hundred percent. Twenty six percent in the slot as well, and just twenty one percent deep, which is amazing for for a a safety because it just means they're closer to the line of scrimmage on more than three quarters of their snaps, which is beautiful to see. And that's why he had such a productive tackle day um, with 10 tackles on the day. So continuing to, to lock Cameron curl into lineups for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Great move there. Uh, and then on the Denver linebackers, uh, Singleton with a little bit of a bump and then Josie jewel with a little uh, ding down from a hundred to 90. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Josie Jewell, I thought he would, I thought he'd be a full-time player as well. It's close, you know, 90 something, whatever it was, I think 95%, something like that. And but the I think the main thing for me is Singleton going from like a 75% player to 90%. We we know how efficient this guy is with, with tackles when he's on the field. We we call him Kingleton for a reason because he is the tackle king. And if he's gonna be getting 90% of snaps each week, that's better than a hundred percent of snaps for a lot of linebackers. So um, he'll have some big tackle games because of it. I think he had like three 20 tackle games last year, which is unreal. So uh, <laughs> um, he's going to be somebody that I, I, I move up the rankings as well, as long as we continue to see that 90% snap range, because man, we, we there's been nobody more productive as a tackler than Alex Singleton the last couple of years. Yeah, no doubt. I, I said this the other day on a different podcast. It's like with that extra 10 or 15% over the course of like, what is it? Eight, nine games. That's like an extra game worth of production for him. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. When 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 I did the when I pulled the tackles versus expected numbers um this offseason, his were like unreal. It was he was plus 54 tackles over expected um because he had played which was by like far and away like more than anybody in the league, right? It, it's just a ridiculous number to think of, but when you think that he played like 70% of snaps something like that and was still putting up better tackle production than guys that were putting up a hundred percent of snaps and he played the whole season. It's just, it's, it's unreal to think about if he, if he gets that 90% snap share and continues that efficiency, he could be one of the league's leading tacklers by the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, any thoughts on the Denver uh, defensive line? They got some new, uh, a, a new piece or two in the off season. How'd that all shake out? Yeah, so they brought over Frank Clark, right? Um, who we've never really been like a big fan of, um, uh, unless it's the playoffs. He usually has a couple big games in the playoffs, but during the regular season, Frank Clark he is what he is. He's never been overly exciting, but he was third in the rotation. He was playing behind uh, Jonathan Cooper uh, and and Randy Gregory. Um, Clark, for me, he wasn't that useful when he was at the top of the rotation, so I'm not into him as the third option in the rotation. Um, But Randy Gregory, kind of interesting just for playing time purposes. He's flashed as like a really good pass rusher before, but he was always kind of used situationally, so he had a really low production floor. Um, It was nice to see him get some more work against the run uh, this past week, but I think he had a 0% win rate and a 0% pressure rate somehow. So hopefully could only go up from there um, (laughs) for Randy Gregory. But how about you? Anybody that, that you like in that group? No, I think uh, what's his face? The guy from the Cardinals got moved to defensive tackle. Oh, Zach Allen, yeah. Zach Allen, yeah, which is great. Uh, you know, to get him as a defensive tackle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, he's gonna be the that interior guy there, which is nice. And we need more of these productive guys on, at, at the defensive tackle position. We're getting more of them slowly but surely. But uh, any more that we can get is nice to see, especially in our two DT required um, leagues that we play in because that gets thin pretty quickly. Uh, all right, let's go to, let's go to Miami, New England here. And I guess the first thing, man, Jalen Phillips really to me, this guy was just unreal. He's another one of those guys look 90% snap share. He's not leaving the field and he has the pass rush metrics to go with it. He didn't have like an amazing pass rush grade this past week, 65.8, but 13.5% win rate, 18.9% pressure rate for Jalen Phillips. And to me, he's, he's a locked in top 10 edge at this point. He showed it last year that he has the pass rush ability. Um, and with a new defensive coordinator, they're, they're still not taking him off the field. So that that's what you want to see from Jalen Phillips. And he's going to get those sacks and obviously had the big one to close out um, week one as well, which was, which was really cool. Yeah. He had a, I believe he had a ton of tackles in week one as well. I think he had had 11 tackles. Right, (laughs) right, right. Yeah, just a monster game. Yeah. Yeah. So we talk about snaps being important for these defensive linemen. It's because of production like that, where being on the field and and racking up that tackle floor is really nice. And then once they add sacks on top of that, uh, it just makes for huge weeks. So we love Jalen Phillips for that, obviously. Um, But what did you think about about the Miami linebackers? Were you surprised at at their (laughs) usage at all? Yeah, Jerome Baker, like a zombie crawling out of the ground and, and people with all the David Long shares just losing oh. their minds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this this is crazy. A hundred percent for Jerome Baker, which, OK, it's, it's fine. We expected him to have a, a starting role, right? But 
David Long, 21.3%. I couldn't find anything like injury related on this or why he played so, so few snaps. He only posted one tackle on the day, but they were using Andrew Van Ginkle uh, inside linebacker, but only 64%. So really, really strange usage there. I don't know why David Long saw such a small snap share, especially considering they brought him in as a free agent and paid him. I, I mean, this just feels like a kind of a waste. Yeah, it was very strange. That did not make a lot of sense. Uh, we'll just have to see how it goes. Uh, what did you think of uh, Jafond Holland's usage in week one? Though? That that improved a little bit, I think, right? It did, yeah. Yeah, only, only 50% deep, which was a big improvement because he was playing almost primarily deep um, in, in the previous system and got used a little bit more in the box, 27.5%, more in the slot, 22.5%, and we had a nice game because of it. So I, I'm, I'm much higher on Javon Holland now than I was kind of going into the year because that usage is most likely going to be, you know, in Vic Fangio's defense a little bit more, uh, I guess, ideal for him than it was previously where um, there was like one clear deep safety and it was pretty much always him. So this is this was nice to see for Holland for sure. Yeah, that's good stuff. And then on the Patriots side of things, uh, Duggar finally landing at 100% of snaps. The heir apparent to Devin McCourty as a uh, full-time player for Belichick, which is rare. Uh, and it, it, we'll talk about uh, Jabril here in a second, but I got to ask you, what is up with uh, Christian Gonzalez playing 100% of snaps as a rookie corner for Bill Belichick in week one? That blew my mind. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, I'm trying not to jinx it, right, by adding too much Christian Gonzalez in, in all my leagues, because we know Belichick is, is going to pull the rug out from under us at some point, right? Uh, we've just seen it too many times, but really nice usage there for, for the rookie. He had the sack as well, which was cool to see. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that it, it continues, but we, we've seen New England's defense too many times to, to not get too excited after just the one game, but it was it was encouraging at least. Yeah, no doubt. Great matchup this week, too, with Miami coming to yes. town. But uh, is, is Peppers back? Is this a thing again? Oh, man, I, I guess so, right? Like, it, I thought Adrian Phillips would be maybe safety, too, there. But Jabril Peppers has emerged with an 88% snap share. Decent usage in the box. At, but, yeah, I I guess I, I would play him in, in deeper leagues. Um, but Kyle Duggar is really the one for me, right? I, I mean... This is only the second time in his career that he got a 100% snap share, but I do think that that can stick for him. He's one of the he's one of the best defensive players on the team, and now with Devin McCourty gone, he kind of backfills a little bit in that deep safety spot instead of coming off the field, which makes a big difference, right? Even though he's playing deep safety, at least he's on the field and has that potential for production, especially this week going against Miami. Um, who, like we just said, with Alohi Gilman get putting up 11 tackles against that high average depth of target team and high passing volume team. I think it could be a huge week for for Kyle Duggar here in, in week two, but very excited for him. I, I had him as like a, a bounce back candidate after last year, just based on production, not overall performance. Um, Patriots fans were telling me his, his uh, usage wasn't going to change at all, but Looks like it did after one week. So we're, we're not going <laughs> to, you know, rub it in or anything like that, especially because it's only one week. And again, it's the Patriots. But this was kind of what we expected this offseason with Devin McCourty retiring is a bigger role for Kyle Tucker. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Hopefully some of this stuff sticks because uh, I'm, I'm doing the same thing you're doing. I am streaming Christian Gonzalez in a few places this week and I'm ready to be hurt. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to see. Um, but yeah, hopefully it sticks, man. Cause yeah, there, there's a lot of potential there facing Miami. So excited for that game for sure. Um, all right, let's go on to the, the primetime games here. Sunday night football, new Orleans saints at the Carolina Panthers, Johnny. Um, I would, I had to check twice that this was the Sunday night football game. I was surprised that, that this is the one that they put in there in week two, but um, I, you know, I guess the, the number one overall pick and, and the saints being what they are is, is something to, to kind of tune in for, but not the most exciting offenses. So what, what do you like about the defenses in this one? Uh, on the Saints side of things, Carl Granderson, man, the the yeah. the one that is promised, uh, showed up big in Week One, got the playing time. Uh, I like that quite a bit. What do you think about that? Yeah, I love that one. Adam and I talked about it um, going into into last week that we love the matchup for for Granderson and even for Cam Jordan. They both delivered with uh, with a sack each, or I think Granderson had a one and a half as well. So he he's the guy for me that I'm 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 having in my rankings even over Cameron Jordan um even if the playing time is more in favor of Cameron Jordan he's just he's getting up there in age and, and the pass rush metrics just haven't been the same so it's been a little bit inconsistent with Cameron Jordan over the past few years um but the playing time is still nice for him but Granderson getting 75% of snaps that Marcus Davenport wasn't getting the 75% snap share last year right so they're trusting him to play that 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 many snaps is nice and especially with the pass rush metrics being what they are 81.3 pass rush grade 21 percent win rate 18 percent pressure rate for carl granderson um really like him and uh yeah could have a nice game again this week he's, he's somebody worth starting i think yeah definitely and then linebacker wise very solid across the board here warner got right. the bump up to 100 percent uh demario always gets the 100 percent shaq thompson always gets the 100 percent luvu stayed at 100 percent what do you think about that yeah i was i was i i didn't think it would dip too far from that with a new defensive coordinator but i was at least wanting to kind of see it first right and and so that uh, like uh, it was nice to see that he kind of stayed at that 100 range um because he was another guy that i think people spent a, a high draft capital on this offseason i i couldn't get a lot of him because of he was because of his costs so nice to see for those people that um that spent up to get frankie luvu and he'll have some pretty strong production days because of it because he has that pass rush ability too so um cool to see for the the panthers linebackers Yep, that was good stuff. And then uh, the the big one here, uh, Jeremy Chin. What was it? Seventy three percent, something like that. Yeah, yeah, seventy three percent of snaps. So uh, we talked about it. We weren't starting Jeremy Chin um, in week one. We we saw the usage in the preseason. Uh, even if it wasn't going to be, you know, even if it was a smokescreen for how they were going to use him in the regular season, it still wasn't worth betting on. Just being so many full time safeties, like we've been talking about. I wasn't starting Jeremy Chin in week one. I'm still not starting him after this. 72.5% of snaps. Um, you know, deep leagues, I, I could play him just because he's he's got decent usage in the box. But for most leagues that are starting like one or two safeties, there, there's no chance Jeremy Chin sniffing a, a starting lineup for me. It's just we want that 100% snap roll, and, and he's clearly not getting it. Yep, I'm with the, with you there, absolutely. And then uh, Burns, a little bit of a bump, 96% of snaps. And Derek Brown, 96% of snaps. Oh, man, yeah, that was that was nice to see for sure. Because Derek Brown, I think he had, 
I think he had only one sack all of last year. Um, so he at least was able to match his entire 2022 total um, <laughs> after this first week. And he was, he, he showed like decent pass rush metrics last year. He had like 40 something pressures as well. So he was better than what the sack numbers said. So it was nice to see him kind of get off to a good start. And I think he's another strong defensive tackle to rely on in those DT required leagues. But yeah, Brian Burns looked good, man. He, there was question that he might hold out and, and things like that, but one and a half sacks and and the metrics were all there that we'd expect from Brian Burns. So you're starting him pretty much every week as well. All right, let us roll to the final game. Monday night football. This should be fun. Uh, it usually is the Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, there's actually a decent amount to kind of sort out for this game. So <laughs> Maybe we start with like, cause they both have co complete messes at the linebacker position, right? It's it, a rotational mess for both teams. So we'll start with Cleveland, I guess, man, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa finally gets the lead snap role, but it's a 77% snap share. So far from ideal, only put up three total tackles, a 7% tackle efficiency. These guys were all incredibly inefficient um, with their touches. Even Sione Takitaki, who played 41%, 13% is just average um, tackle efficiency, but we're not trusting Takitaki in any leagues, really. We're not trusting Anthony Walker at less than 60%. JOK is not getting played outside of really the deepest of leagues at this point either. So do you trust anybody on the Cleveland Browns linebacker core to play in any of your leagues this week? Nope. No, I mean, <laughs> I mean, we're, we, yes, we are in those deep, deep, deep degenerate leagues where you're starting four actual linebackers, two IDP flexes, et cetera. As my sixth linebacker, sure. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but for most non insane people, you're, no, you're not starting him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. You just can't do it. it, it and plus that defense, too, a very man heavy defense. So it's not ideal for tackle efficiency. Um, and that kind of showed in week one there. So staying away from the Browns linebackers as usual, didn't matter that a new defensive coordinator came in, unfortunately. Um, we'll stick in Cleveland before going to Pittsburgh here, but Grant Delpit, um, I think is somebody that we love uh, because he did get the ideal usage, right? 98.2% of snaps. So an every down roll for him, but 36.4% in the, in the box, uh, 27% in the slot, just 36% deep talked about him this off season that, you know, um, Jim Schwartz was coming in, potentially going to deploy more single high looks and would be good for Grant Delpit. Uh, it turned out to be good for Grant Delpit in week one. So hopefully that continues. Do you like uh, Grant Delpit in your lineups this week? I love Grant Delpit. I have so much Grant Delpit and Richie Grant. It's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> the Grant brothers. That's perfect. <laughs> The Grant brothers, the the get the guys that get those boxing slots now. Oh, yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah, we we absolutely love those guys. They don't have necessarily like the the cachet names or anything like that that people are attracted to in drafts. But we know who we're targeting. We know what we want, and those guys have it. We want to target those box snaps. So Grant Delpit, Richie Grant, absolutely great values all off season, and uh, yeah, Delpit especially. Man, he he's been somebody that I scooped up a ton of. So nice to see a strong start from him uh the 
man, the Cleveland defensive line was no joke Ooh. either. Holy Ooh. man, they they absolutely smoked Cincinnati um, and making things pretty scary for Pittsburgh because the Steelers were the lowest graded pass blocking team last week, somehow even worse than the Giants. It wasn't by much, but um, this could be big game for Cleveland, um, their defensive line again. The guys like Miles Garrett, Zadarius Smith, even Dalvin Tomlinson and, and Obo Karankwo, these guys could absolutely destroy Pittsburgh's uh, offensive line this week. Yeah, looking forward to it. It should be fun. <laughs> we always <laughs> love to see that. <laughs> oh, God. Um, the the Pittsburgh Steelers, let's go to that, man, because we hinted at the, the rotational mess at linebacker. I was I was worried about this when Cole Holcomb signed with the Steelers that he wouldn't be a full time guy. I know that he had a decent contract, so I, I you know I, I I didn't get too disturbed by it, and and it was just always kind of in the back of my mind. And I talked about it this off season. I got a little bit more comfortable with him as a potential full time guy as the season got closer. And of course, as soon as I got comfortable, um, the Steelers said, you know, go you know, F yourself. And, and they went with the 78% snap share Quan Alexander, less than 70% a Landon Roberts at 42%. Like this was just, this is not ideal for anyone. Yeah. Absolute mess. Absolute mess. Quan Alexander just doing what he always does, going to a team and just jamming up their linebacker core. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He jammed it up. He, he's got people all confused because he got 10 tackles. Cole Holcomb only had five, right? So people are, do I start Quan Alexander over Cole Holcomb? It's like, hopefully you got better options over both of those guys. But no, I would not start uh, Quan Alexander over Cole Holcomb. But I'm avoiding Cole Holcomb where I can until we see a couple weeks now of better than 90% because this is this is not going to be good um, if the Steelers do what they did last year with their linebackers, which was like a situational kind of rotational absolute mess. Yeah, it definitely was. And and then also uh, the second safety situation for Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. And Minka didn't do much either as the, the first safety. So that, that doesn't help things. But yeah, the second safety, uh, KZ and, and Neil, uh, just what is up with that? Yeah, this was they they showed this in the preseason too, where they didn't have a second full-time guy. So I thought maybe they were still kind of working out the kinks before week one and that somebody would emerge as as a, as a clear every down starter. But this was the exact same preseason usage that we got. It was KZ 72%, Keanu Neal at at just under 50%, and, and Minka Fitzpatrick as the clear every down starter. So Another group of safeties that we're we're not in love with. I'll, I'll trust Minka Fitzpatrick. We know what he can do. Um, he'll have those big games. He'll also have some dud games in there too. But not trusting any of the other safeties until they show it for us. Yep, I'm with you on that. All right, man. Anything else from uh, the Monday Night Football slate here? No, not really. It'd be be a good game. Should be yeah. a good one. Yeah, it'll be fun. It's nice to see TJ Watt tearing it up as well. So that could make uh, Miles Garrett versus TJ Watt a fun one. But that's oh, going to do I, it. Oh, oh go ahead. Sorry, go, go, sorry, go, go. sorry. I, I did have one thing. Uh, Cameron Hayward. Uh, right. We're we're not we're not touching any backups on this, are we? I probably I'm probably not. If I have to, if it's a deep league, it's probably Larry Ogunjobi. But I, I'm not excited about it. It is. A position there's nobody really there that's kind of proven it for uh production and, and Ogunjobi 
he had in the past, but it's been a long time since he's been like a reliable IDP starter, right? So he he's probably the first one. I do Keanu Benton had had a really nice game as a rookie. He's could be interesting, maybe, but not trusting him for week two at all. All right, that's going to do it here for the week two IDP preview here on the PFF Fantasy Podcast. Uh, I appreciate you all tuning in, and hopefully we helped you get ready for the week ahead so you can dominate your IDP leagues. Johnny, a huge thank you to you, my man. I had a blast. Always a pleasure getting to talk to you. So thank you very, very much for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Uh, You know, always glad to do this. We always have a good time, and, uh, you know, we'll do it again soon. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. And before you go, please let the people know where they can find you and your work. Uh, yep. So I'm doing the cornerback corner over at the IDP I am doing a weekly, uh, very similar kind of waivers and reactions and advice podcast, uh, with Gary IDP tipster on the SGPN network. And I've got IDP strategy articles going back a half decade at idpguys.org. So go check that out. Awesome. Yeah, definitely check out Johnny's work, man. He's one of the best and he definitely has all the advice that you could ask for um, in those articles. So be sure to follow him uh, at at orangeman3142 on the Twitter as well to, to stay up to date with all that stuff. Um, as for me, everything I write can be found on pff.com. Uh, we got the IDP fantasy report out there now. It is free here in week one. I don't know if it's going to be free going forward. That's not up to me, but definitely check it out for all those snap shares. If you were watching on the YouTube, um, the snap shares and everything, the breakdowns, those are all from the IDP fantasy report, everything you need in there as well. Um, IDP rankings uh, coming up uh, tomorrow, which is Thursday. Offensive line, defensive line matchups to target and avoid will be up Friday. Uh, we also have all have the wide receivers performance versus man and zone coverages report that'll come out on Thursday as well. Uh, lots of stuff to check out on pff.com. And I will be back again tomorrow with Kate Maj Duke uh, to pre- preview uh, week two on the offensive side of things. And Joey the Tooth is going to be on with me to preview week three of IDP uh, with me next week. So hope you'll all tune into that. And until then, peace out.